Matthew chapter 7, reading from verses 1 to 12. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Amen. Thanks, Judith and team, for, for leading us this morning. Uh, my name's Peter Melbourne. And um, it's my privilege to, to bring you this uh, passage this morning. Uh, we're continuing in the Gospel of Matthew, and in this particular part we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Now I'm really pleased that it's actually recorded, because there is just so much material um, in the Sermon on the Mount that uh, your mind boggles, you know, when you're sort of like trying to get your head around it. And even in the short passage that we're looking at today, those 12 verses have about three um, key points. Um, this passage has some tough teaching, um, so hang in there. Um, if you do, I'm sure Judith will give you a chocolate. <laughs> yeah, so welcome, and particularly for those extra keen people that turned up at 10 o'clock. We all um, look at the world um, through our own filters. Um, this is actually a camera filter. Um, it's uh, what they call a soft light filter, which actually does quite a bit of a distortion um, to bring out a, um, a special effect. Now, the reason why we have these filters that we look through is for our own safety. They give us instantaneous messages, um, you know, to keep us safe. Uh, for example, you know, I'm not going to walk through this park at this time of night. Um, I know I've got the right of way, but that is a big truck. 
And uh, no, I don't think I'll order the beef wellington. <laughs> but these filters are actually made up of multiple laminations. And that comes from our personality, our values, our upbringing, our education, um, our past experiences and hurts, our theological interpretations, um, the types of books that we read, the articles um, and programs that we watch. And, um, and it's, it's often described as our world view. I find our filters can be strongest across um, generations and, and, and also between um, the different ethnic races. I think in Australia we, we tend to be most racist towards our First Nation people. And, um, and we saw a lot of um, debate and heat in the recent um, voice referendum. I remember um, hearing this story on the ABC. So that's my first filter alert. I listened to the ABC. Um, and it was about a wedding um, in the early days of um, the COVID outbreak um, out at Wilcannia. And this was well before um, there were any restrictions around weddings or, or gatherings. And a number of Indigenous people got COVID and they were quite sick. And the Department of Health said, um, look, you can't be in the home. You, these people with COVID need to be isolated. And so they ended up down on the banks of the Darling River um, in tents and under shelters, you know. Um, and these were very sick people, you know, and there was no air conditioning, no um, uh, sanitary services, and, and they were really struggling. So the Department of Health, you know, after a bit of lobbying, you know, by the the local people, the Department of Health said, yeah, yeah, well, we can't do this. So, so what they did is they brought in a whole lot of um, rental motorhomes, which weren't being hired out at the time because of the COVID. And um, they brought them all in. And then they put the people in those and then they started bringing them food. Um, but the food was the, like probably the sort of food that we would eat. Um, so it was high in sugar and high in, in salt. And, um, and the locals were saying, look, this food's not suitable for us, you know. A lot of these people have got diabetes and kidney disease, so they can't have the sugar and the salt. And they said, can't, can't you just bring us some kangaroos, you know, that we can eat those? That's what we normally eat. And the Department of Health says, oh, no, 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 no. We can't do that, we can't do that, you know. But I thought it was a great story that it sort of illustrated how through our different upbringings, our values and things like that, there was quite, you know, a difference of understanding um, between the two groups. In the mental health area, there's a, there's a, a therapy which is called cognitive behaviour therapy. And the way it looks at things is that we can have stuff happen in our lives, um, we have automatic thoughts about that which then precipitates a, a response and, um, and sometimes those responses aren't healthy you know it could be that we get high anxiety or depression or even sort of uh, uh, uncontrollable anger and so what the therapist does is they say well what is it about these automatic thoughts that you, you're having um, that's triggering this response and, and can we challenge those and, and look at whether they're, they're correct. So I've talked about filters. The um, mental health therapist will talk about automatic thoughts, 
Um, but I think in this passage that we're looking at today, um, it's aspects of the plank um, when it comes to um, judging and assessing a, a situation or, or people. When it talks about the plank, there are certainly aspects there about our sinfulness. And, um, and we, we are told that we need to keep on searching ourselves um, or getting the Holy Spirit to search us and deal with our sinfulness. But I think there's thing, aspects about the filter that aren't necessarily um, uh, sinful, um, but actually affect um, the way we see things. So if we look at that passage again, it says, um, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take out the speck in your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take out the plank of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eyes. So I think our first challenge is when we're sort of looking at assessing a situation is am I seeing this correctly? Um, are my filters actually distorting um, my view? We can have different filters for different people. You know, there are some people that just rub us up the wrong way and we will look at them differently to what we look at others. I know for myself, you know, if I hear myself saying, oh, that's typical, then I know I'm running it through a quite a thick filter. And we see this in, um, in relationship breakdowns, don't we? You know, where someone can be doing something with the best of intentions and the best motives and yet it's almost like willfully understood um, by the other person because it's running through such a thick filter. I think ultimately what we want to do is we want to see things the way God sees them, you know, which begs the question, does God have filters? Well, I think he does. In Isaiah 11, through to 4, it says, and this is where Isaiah is prophesying about the coming um, of Jesus. And he says, in relation to Jesus, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide with what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions um, for the poor of the earth. I think as we become more Christ-like, our filters will alter and reflect more the fruit of the Spirit. And what wonderful filters these would be. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. But there is a bit of an issue with this passage because it says, do not judge. And yet, we know that discernment um, is a spiritual gift. Um, in Matthew 18, 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you will have won your brother over. Surely there's some judgment, you know, in, in that process. You know, we were, we were told that we need to look out for false prophets and by their fruit you shall know them. So how do we do that um, without judging? Well, here's the rub. 
When it comes to assessing people, it's all about our motives. Because I sort of see the way they're talking about judging here is that judging condemns, whereas discernment actually restores. If I'm judging someone and then expressing an opinion or taking an action to bring about a change that best suits me, then I'm probably heading down a risky path. What is better is if I'm making an assessment and I take it to the Lord and I go, Father, am I, am I actually seeing this clearly? Is there another way of looking at this? Um, what's, what's your view um, on this? And then I go, do I need to do anything, Lord? You know, is this something that I just should leave to you? Um, should sit on for a while? Or is there an action that I should take? And then if I do take an action um, or say something, then if it's the way God wants me to do it, then it's going to be seen as encouragement and support, um, not as criticism and condemnation. But often we are just meant to pray about it. Um, that's, our, that's our first step. And we, we may just need to leave it in God's hands. Um, when I was talking about this with my wife Kerry, she said, you can't be other people's Holy Spirit. I remember um, seeing a, we had a pastor, an interim pastor here a number of years ago called Neil Dawson. And I remember going to him um, with this significant issue I had at the time um, with something that was happening with someone. And, and after I explained it all to him, um, he said, look, this is really hard, Peter. Um, I, I don't know what to advise, but one thing I can say is that you never regret being gracious. Well, let's move on to the next section, which is about the ask, seek and knock. Sorry, the section before that, which is, um, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under your feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. I like the concept um, about people of peace. And uh, I know when I was involved with a group called Building a Discipling Community, and, and they describe a person of peace as someone who likes you, who listens to you and will serve you. Um, I suppose that when they talk about will serve you, it's more like they will do you a favour. Um, I like to add in another aspect of it and it's, it's someone that where you may be seeing you know, God's hand um, at work. Uh, recently, my wife and I were up in the Mile Lakes um, with our sailing club and we were doing a walk along an access trail to go and have a look at uh, these um, Christmas bells, which are magnificent at this time of year. And there was a group of five of us, you know, three women and, and two guys. And as I started talking with the other guy, he, he says to me, oh, Peter, I, I hear you do work as a pastor. And, um, and I immediately started to think, ah, is this a person of peace? Normally, People don't bring up religious stuff unless they want to talk about religious stuff, do they? 
And um, and so our conversation um, went on for, you know, about an hour as we were walking. Um, and with my thinking, well, Lord, you know, what do I say um, to what appears to be a person of peace? Our conversations with people move from being social um, to being meaningful and then to being spiritual. And and under God's guidance, you know, that's that's how um, we interact um, with these people of peace. There are going to be those that um, are just are going to be really quite hostile um, to the things of God and the and the things of the gospel. Um, we see that in our you know, people that are militant atheists, don't we? And I think we see that in the way in which Jesus conducted himself. Um, as he was coming, uh, you know, to his trials, you know, pr- prior to his crucifixion, you know, where he just didn't answer, you know, questions, some of the questions. He didn't go and address Herod um, when he was um, given the opportunity. And, and he just knew, you know, they weren't going to listen. Um, you know, they were just going to trample um, uh, the pearls under, the, under their feet. Now we'll go to ask, seek and knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts um, to those who ask him? I remember seeing a picture, an old picture. I'm not sure whether it was actually in a pictorial Bible or somewhere else. But it shows a picture of a man knocking on the door. And the inference is um, that this passage is referring to people um, finding Jesus or or seeking Jesus. But in the, but I think it's more than that in this particular passage. If, if you look at it only just that way, um, then what Jesus is saying here is quite out of context. Um, this asking and seeking and knocking is about asking for resources as, uh, as we... Um, uh, conduct our lives, and particularly in our interactions with other people. Um, it is seeking wisdom um, and understanding. These are the prayers that God loves to answer. I was given a book at Christmas time called The Praying Life, and, um, and it is changing the way in which I have in my personal prayers with Jesus. Um, I suppose, you know, in part, and you've probably been taught this as well, and the way in which we pray, we often just taught how to pray in um, publicly. And we use acronyms like ACTS, you know, ACTS, you know, which is adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving and supplication, which is like praying for others. And I think that's helpful, you know, in a, in a group context. But I'm finding it less helpful in terms of the way in which I approach um, God in my um, day-to-day devotions. In this book, it talks about approaching 
Jesus as a child with a father. And it's interesting in this passage, you know, where, we, where he's talking about, um, you know, asking, seeking and knocking, he actually is using that imagery of a child and, and a father. Because when I converse with my father and, or, or my children converse with me, you know, there, there's a certain unrestrictedness, you know, about the way in which that conversation goes. You know, a child will just ask, won't they, um, for something. There's not any filters in terms of what's appropriate and what's not, you know. They just ask. And, and I know as a parent, um, if a child asks once, I go, oh, yeah, they've got a passing interest in it. But if they keep on asking and asking and asking, then you say, this is something that they really want. And I know that if I give it to them, um, they will really value it. Um, I was like that when I got my first bicycle. You know, I remember at the age of 12 at Christmas, I, I finally got this bike that I've been asking for for, uh, for years. And, um, and that particular Christmas day was wet. Um, but I remember I rode for hours up and down the street in the rain, you know, you know on, this, on this new bike. I think because we don't um, ask God, um, you know, we, we assume that he just was going to say no, um, and we miss out on so much. Um, you know, he may want to give us something better. Um, and I think what this passage is saying is God is good and he loves and he will give um, what's best for us. Often he will just do the things that only God can do. I know when we come, you know, and pray, you know, Lord, I need wisdom in this situation. What do I do? And then you'll see things happen in a way that only God um, could actually do it. And then finally we get to the last part, which is often called the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The golden rule isn't the gospel. Um, many non-believers will actually treat it as if it is. You know, they go, well, if I treat people correctly, then I'll be judged well um, because of that. It's not even the greatest of all commandments. Um, what it is, is a principle uh, particularly for Christians in relations uh, to how they judge and discern uh, with others. My PowerPoint hasn't been running, has it? That shows how much attention I was paying to it. It's interesting here, isn't it, this principle where it goes... Um, you know, do to others as you would have them do to you. Um, and then earlier on, we were saying, the way you judge others, you will be judged in the same way. And then we'll even see in the, new, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, where it says, Father, forgive us as we forgive others. Um, it's interesting to see this principle of um, how we treat others, um, that's how we'll be treated as well. Um, 
So in conclusion, I think it's important that we understand that we have got these filters, that that makes up you know, part of the plank that clouds our vision, um, that when we um, are dealing with others, then we've really got to look at, well, are we seeing things clearly? How do you see those, Lord? Um, should I be seeing them through the way you see things um, before I take any actions? And, and in this, just asking and seeking and, and knocking and, and asking God um, to assist us, us in that. And, and, that um, and that will result in us um, you know, treating others as we would like to be treated ourselves. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, when we read passages like this, we sort of see at times just how far we are different, you know, from, from you. Um, and Lord, we just praise you that we do have your spirit um, residing within us, that, that gives us your wisdom, that challenges our sins. That, um, and so, Father, we just ask that if there are instances, you know, where we are judging people, um, we, are, we are sort of doing that more in a, in a critical way, Lord, you know, help us turn that around so that we can be part of the restoration and that we can actually help these people on their journey um, as well. Um, Father, remind us just to keep asking you and knowing that you will only do good. Amen.